Happy Friday to you folks and welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. And oh boy, do we have a star-studded lineup waiting to go today. It's not that we don't love having Mike Johnson on the podcast, because we do. But Johnny's gotten a lot of airtime over the last week and a half or so and going to let the voice box rest up a little bit. So pinch hitting in his place. We have one for sure and one maybe. Jason Strudwick, yes, of overtime fame, standing by to join Pierre Lebrun and I. And we have an outside chance, no promises here, an outside chance that Jamie Noodles McLennan will also join us here on Got Your Back NHL Edition. So stacking up to potentially be the most star-studded edition we have ever had. As always, Got Your Back NHL Edition brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear, our proud title sponsor. They've got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents and sleeping bags and travel games and pet products. Yes, the LeBruns have the dog bed and drinkware. And are they ever fired up about the switchback heated chair? The world's first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. Dual heat zones in the seat and the back. You can adjust it from your phone. It's sensational. The Rashogs have three of them. It's gluttonous. And they got a wine glass holder on one side, a beer cozy on the other. What more do you need in a chair? Kuma Outdoor Gear. Experience luxury outdoors, as we say. Good morning to the fellas. Struddy, welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. First time this year, buddy, you've been called up to the bigs. Yeah, I got the tap. And uh, I'd like to say good morning to all the Leafs fans that I know really celebrate my takes about the Leafs. So good morning to you guys. <laughs> Glad to see you're doing so well. Yeah. Hey, listen, it'll be easier for you to go in overdrive now that they, they're not going to ask you about the Oilers losing 10 games in a row, right, bud? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. at least you got that. You got that to look forward to in your next tip. It was hard, period. And I get the call. I'm like, oh, I can't not take this. I got to get in there, right? It's like a fight you know you're going to lose, but you got to get in there anyway. So, yeah, now a little bit more even footing, at least in the short term, it's Libra footing, even footing. I don't think people realize what good, like just how close you and Noodles are. You guys are good buddies, yet you go on that show that he is a regular part of, and like <laughs> you are you are enemy of the people. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I like the least team. It is the fans that I have a problem with. Yeah. And that is, and that's, I don't want to make it personal at this early in the morning on a Friday, you know, coming up to Christmas, but that is the group of people that I like to get into it with. So, um, you know, you got to, you got to pick your fights and I've, I've chosen mine and the other side. And I think it's pretty good natured, but I do love it when the least struggle. My yeah. God, is that we'll, we'll give you a chance in a minute try, to try living, to, uh, Try living amongst them for the last 30 years and uh, including <laughs> both my daughters, diehard uh, Leaf fans. Luckily, oh uh, my son, my son Behind cheers enemy for lines, no one. Pierre. My, my son cheers for no one. It's interesting. Huh. He's kind of like a bandwagon <laughs> jumps well, on whatever. Well, Struddy, you know. we'll give you a chance to uh, send your condolences on the Joseph Wall injury in just a couple of minutes here. Now, the reason Jamie McLennan was a uh, game time decision was because he was doing a game last night and was traveling back this morning, and then the flight got delayed. So he did say that we could try and call him, and if he's in position to answer, he will. So I'm going to call Noodles right now. This is going to be big for the podcast. If he answers, this goes to a 10 out of 10. If he doesn't, it's stuck at a 9.75. So just one second here, and uh, we'll see if Noodles is going to answer. Does he normally screen people struds, or you think he's going to pick up? Oh, he answers everything. He, he never he has so many phone numbers. Oh, there he is. Noodles. 
Hey, what's up? <laughs> How we doing, pal? No, we got um, LeBron in Struds, and you were joining us mid-podcast. We were just debating whether or not we thought you were going to pick up. Why would I flush you guys? You're too important in my life. <laughs> uh, happy to have you join us. We were just talking about Struds and how beloved he is among uh, among Leafs fans and what a huge role he plays on your show. Uh, your fan base just hangs on his every word out there, Noodles. They do. My favorite part is when he calls Mitch Marner, Mitch Mariner. And <laughs> that always hits a nerve with the Toronto faithful. It's actually, it, it actually has become like a great joke. And, and, you know, when, when Mitch got hit in the chin the other day, we had a great chat. And then right at the end, he goes, how's Mitch Mariner's chin? And oh, you can goodness. see this, this, this the fan base just lights him up. It's so awesome. But uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, the parade's back on. They found a way to win. They, they play ugly, ugly hockey right now, but they win games. It's really weird. Yeah, 100%. Well, guys, let's get to our breakdown here. And Noodles, maybe we'll start there. Uh, the Leafs goaltending situation just got complex. Joseph Bull with the injury after the game. Sheldon Keefe saying, look, it's unfortunate. He's been playing so well. He was building such great momentum here on his season and his career. It's a setback. So you got a team that is short on D. You got a team with questions in nets. Like, put this in a perspective how tough this could be for the Leafs here if this is any significant amount of time. Well, it is, and it's going to be very tough because, uh, you know, Ilya Samsonov's kind of had the flu and kind of missing, and and then, you know, Martin Jones, until last night coming in for relief, had played five games in the AHL this year because he went over to Sweden with the team, so he's kind of just been mirroring the, the NHL team but not played much. And, you know, look at, at that, like the wall injury, it didn't look good. He couldn't put any weight on his left leg. So I don't know if that's knee, hip, groin. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor. My call last night, originally watching it, I thought he got hit in the net with, neck with the puck. So that's, that's how out to lunch I was until I watched the replay. But um, it, it looked bad. And he, he was the first and second star last night. He was that good because Ottawa was the better team. And they outplayed the Leafs. They outchanced them. The high danger chances were 16 to 5. That's how good Wall was. And, you know, he him leaving, bigger picture, he's been so good for them. It is concerning because uh, their depth is certainly going to be challenged. P? Yeah, I, although, you know, signing Martin Jones, which some people thought was peculiar when he already had Samsonoff and, and Walls, now is going to be, oh, that's why you signed the guy to hope he clears waivers after training camp because you probably know you're going to have to go three deep. And um, Wall is supposed to get an MRI done today on Friday. So we'll see uh, when the Leafs are in the position to, to announce more. But, boy, he was on his way to basically making this his net for the rest of the season, the way he was playing. And honestly, uh, Noodles covered it last night, but the Senators should have been up 3 nothing, mm -hmm. And then the Leafs come back and find a way. And and the other thing, too, and it's, you know, I, I went to school in Ottawa, so I, I go way back with this Battle of Ontario. You could just see it again last night. I have the building in Leaf jerseys. It just must drive yeah. Ottawa fans insane. Yeah. Like, you don't see that in Battle of Alberta. You see some mingling. But there's a home game in Edmonton and there's a home game in Calgary. But in Ottawa, the Leafs get to get their home games in a couple of different places. That's crazy. Well, also, yeah. you throw in uh, – I think Buffalo is, is like that too because it's such a cheap ticket. 
So all yeah. the people drive across the border. You can buy a ticket there for, I think it's like 40 bucks sometimes if you could sit in the nosebleeds. So they they filled Buffalo as well. I mean, Leafs Nation, we'll call it, they travel well. But, uh, you know, it is frustrating for Ottawa fans, but it was a good game. And now that Ottawa is really competitive, these are good games. And, you know, last night it, it became close, obviously, with Ottawa scoring, you know, near the end with two minutes left to make it 4-3. But, uh, really, I thought Ottawa was the better team, and Anton Forsberg didn't have a very good game, and Joseph Wall mm-hmm. was brilliant. So, And, and yeah. as we know, guys, and I'll, I'll bring you back to even Edmonton, you know, the, goaltending is key. I, I had a, a general manager say this, said the NHL shouldn't be called, you know, the NHL should be just be called goalie. Because if you've got good goaltending, your team <laughs> okay. has a chance to win. Listen to the goalie go here, guys. Yeah, Listen to the goalie. Well, okay, okay, so all of a sudden... Yeah, but Stuart yet, Skinner puts his pads on the last five games. What's happened? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, he's looked he's looked decent. Where the Oilers, they couldn't get a save. They'd be out shooting teams 41-16 and lose 4-1. Like, it's, it is. Yeah. All of a sudden, Skinner looks like he's at least settled in, and McDavid looks like McDavid, and Edmonton's won five in a row. All right, well, let, let me introduce that, myself probably... into the podcast here. Oh, yeah, Strutty, go for First off, I'll take Pronger and Niedermeyer as my D pairings and put a, a lazy, a, one of your old goalie pads laying across the crease, and I'll win a Stanley Cup with that uh, noodle. So I'd take it, slow it down a little bit with the whole goalie yeah, talk. Get a little big and, for the and the second thing is, you know, as it goes back to the Leafs, first off, we don't like seeing Leafs jerseys in any other building. We don't care where it is across the NHL, so let's just call it up the way it is. Now, and thirdly, now. You know, there's a lot of challenge with with uh, goalies. You know, you look at Carolina. You know, their goaltenders. Oh, with what's going on with their terrible. situation? Their three goalies is, isn't working out well now. You know, the orders seem to have calmed down, and now Toronto. You know, there's a building market for uh, I'm not sure who Pierre may have a better inside, but uh, look at that. But there are teams that are have high expectations for this group or this year, and their goalies aren't performing. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with both of you have said. It's just. It's always been a truism about the goalie. It's just that I, we've talked about this before on this podcast. I've never heard NHL front offices feel left less confident about how to fix it. Right? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like I go, I go. Noodles is not going to like this. I only go about eight teams deep when I when I say with confidence those are one hundred percent stable goaltending situations. Eight teams out of thirty-two for me. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't that, disagree with that, though. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Like, it's the, the league, there's a bunch of good goalies, and there's only a few elite ones. And, and yeah. you take a look at the bottom, like, the, I think it's the bottom four teams in save percentage, and two of the teams, their, their coach has been fired already, and poor Rod Brindamore, the look on his face, he's got a scrabble face going where he's got letters in front of him <laughs> that aren't even letters because he's trying That's to right. find a – an answer and you know in Edmonton the game was over 50 seconds into the game the other night Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know he's not getting saves it it's even in Calgary last night I ended up getting back to my hotel room watching that game they're up two nothing and and you know the goalie gives it away like they just uh, for a fragile team and they're not getting saves and you're seeing right now teams that aren't getting saves they're near the bottom and they don't trust their goaltending, and and for for the right reasons because they're not getting saved. Goaltenders, well, I, the biggest topic yeah. so far on the podcast, and and the goaltender is dominating the podcast so far, guys. So Struddy and LeBron, like <laughs> you don't have to get your elbows well, up. I, your I, noodles I, is on fire. 
there's a good segue there because I mentioned this in my rumblings today in the athletic, but you know, the Habs still want to trade a goalie. Mm-hmm. You know, they signed mm-hmm. Montambo, so he's off the market, but now they're listening on both Jake Allen and, uh, and Caden Primo. They don't want to carry three goalies all year. Um, are one of these teams that we just talked about, you know, is New Jersey or Carolina going to phone up Montreal and say, what is it? What's it going to take to get Jake Allen out of there? Maybe they should. Um, you know, obviously a lot is being made that the Hurricanes really miss Freddie Anderson and how steady he's been. Let's not overcook that angle either. I mean, he's missed a lot of time with injuries since he's been in Carolina. And it used to be they didn't miss a beat, no matter who was in goal, because the defensive mm-hmm. system was so good in front of whoever was in net in Carolina that it was always a dream to go play goal in, in, in Carolina. Remember Curtis McElhinney gets scooped off waivers from Toronto and goes to Carolina and puts up career numbers. So it's not just the goaltending, although that's obviously the most obvious part of it. But stop me if you heard this about a month ago in Edmonton, the defensive decisions in front and as well in Carolina are not Carolina-like right now. And that's, I think, frustrating for yeah. Rod Brindamore as well. Yeah, and Rod Brindamore was losing his, losing his marbles the other night on the bench during the timeout. Had one of the all-time clips with Darren Pang on the bench, basically. Panger did an on-the-bench interview, and Brindamore, like, we're we're on pace to lose 50 nothing here. It's the worst I've ever seen this team play. He was definitely frustrated. Struds, you often talk about the Leafs' blue line. You have been harping on this blue line for years, and so now there is a tremendous amount of focus on Brad Tree Living trying to find not one, maybe two, multiple defensemen to make this thing better. So happens the D market is flooded, or the, the trade market is flooded with defensemen, but ton of pressure on him, Struds, to do something. What do you think the right moves might be? Well, I, I really like the forward group they have in, in uh, Toronto, especially their high-end guys, right? And those guys, it's not just about defending for that group. It's also about transitioning, getting the puck up to those guys as quick as you can. So, you know, John Klinberg, the idea was he'd come in and be able to do that. But now we know how bad his hips were over the last, I don't know, Pierre, a year to year and a half. And now he's out. So now they have this extra money. So what is the right fit? What do they need for that? You know, I hear a lot of people talking about Tanev. You know, Noah Hannafin's another guy. I, I think I'd, I'd maybe go with a Noah Hannafin, a guy that can transition the puck and still defend rather than maybe a super stout defender like like Tanev Noodles. Yeah, I I uh, I think they need two guys. <clears throat> two guys. And I don't know, yeah. Pierre, like would, would Brett Pesci be in play? I mean, he has not been, um, you know, it, obviously it's been frustrating for the Hurricanes that they weren't able to extend him this summer. He's a UFA at the end of the year. They still hope to sign him, but because the Hurricanes have cup aspirations, the only way that ever happens is if there's a hockey deal, not a rental deal, right? Like the Hurricanes right. can't deplete themselves when yeah. they're trying to win. So yeah. that's a tougher one. I mean, there's no question it's been talked about a ton because it's absolutely accurate. I mean, Tanev, is someone Bradtree Living really wants to be reunited with. Um, but we mentioned this last line, Insider Trading. The Flames have told people, calling, give us some time here. You know, Now that they traded Zadorov, they want to calm things down in Calgary for a bit. they got lots of time before March 8th. So it doesn't sound like they're in a hurry on Tanev, which doesn't really help the Leafs. Um, you know, Dregs mentioned two names that haven't been mentioned before with the Leafs. One is Sean Walker. Mm-hmm. He's a pending UFAD in Philly, and uh, he also mentioned Labuchkin and Anaheim, who's a former Leaf, also a pending UFA, but that the Ducks weren't ready to move him yet either. So timing here, uh, an issue for the Leafs. You know, they, they got the money now with Klingberg and LTIR. They're ready to pounce. They want to pick up a D. 
tree livings grinding away, but you need a team that's ready to deal with you. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it right now. Well, I, I just, just quickly to jump in on that, like I, I, the reason why I was looking at a guy like Pesci and like Hannafin should be in play and, and you know, because the Leafs need somebody in their top four, maybe top three, because Jake McCabe, I'm not confident he's a three. Struddy, you could speak to that, but I, right. I, I look at it like you're, you're still around the edges. Labushkin is a six, you know, so now you're bringing in, like if you bring in third pairing guys, and ask them right. to play in second pairing minutes, you're asking guys to punch above their weight. And, you know, that's, uh, I know what that was like. I was a backup that uh, you asked me to be a starter. I couldn't do it. I just, you know, I could do short term, but uh, as, as a, as a one, I couldn't do it because I knew what I was. And if you're asking these guys to punch above their weight consistently, at some point they're going to break down. So that's why, uh, you know, the Leafs have to be proactive on somebody who can play in that second pairing and maybe give you first pairing minutes if there is an injury or inconsistency with Riley and Brody. So that's, again, you're, you're going to put a bandaid on, you're going to trade for live players, but are they going to be upgrades on guys that you have already? The Lagasins and the Benoit's and guys like that. To me, you've got to be punching or at least trading for guys that can improve your defense, not just kind of, you know, stabilize it for the time being. Correct me if I'm wrong, Strutty. No, I agree. And I remember when they made all the trades last year, the Leafs did, and they brought in Luke Shen, and he was playing, I think, in the first pairing for a while. And I kept saying, yeah. what are the Leafs pairings? What are the Leafs pairings? So I understand what Trey Living's doing. If he wants to get it done sooner, so he can organize that, especially if you bring in a big guy in the top four, you can figure out what my, my top four looks like. The bottom pairing is, like, I played in that bottom pairing, so I don't think it's quite as urgent. You can kind of figure it out. But if you get the right guys in that top four, it sure makes it easier for the bottom pairing. Well, you guys mentioned Anafin. We should touch on that because he's kind of getting a lot, like Tana was getting a lot more attention. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why the Hannafin deal is, is an intriguing, um, or we'll see how it plays out, is that his agent, Pat Brisson, I think they want him extended through a trade, which is a different situation than Tana, right? Tana will go somewhere as a rental probably and then figure out his future later. I think there's a strong desire because Hannafin's a younger player that they, you know, they've turned down a pretty substantial extension or they did at the time. We'll see if there's a change of heart. I mean, Calgary, my understanding is offered eight years, close to $60 million to Hannafin in, in October. And hmm. Hannafin wow. decided I'm not sure right now, like around seven and a half million a year. And, um, you know, the, and I think from Hannafin's perspective at the time, again, maybe this can change, but at the time it was where, you know, where is this team headed with this, you know, Zadorov wants out all this stuff going on in Calgary. Um, my point is that whoever's trading for Hannafin, I think it's going to be strongly urged from Pat Brisson, end of things, that they want to sign. So does that, hmm. I don't know, that may not fit in the plans of some teams, right? So we'll see where that hmm. goes. But in the meantime, there are two wow. guys who actually are available, 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 like literally right now, and that's Tyson Berry and Tony D'Angelo, two sort of, at this point in their careers, more like second power play guys, I guess. Our little Tyson Berry can still play in your first power play, but it just my my sense of it yesterday is the market wasn't too hot yet um, for either one of those guys. We'll see where that goes. I I don't know how you guys feel about this, but do you remember the movie with Jim Carrey, Liar Liar, when he's the the uh, the <laughs> yep. lawyer that can't lie for the day? 
Yep. And yeah. They, yeah. they offer the settle they offer the settlement to the the lady who's suing for money, and and it's millions of dollars. And he starts yelling, "Take it, take it!" And she she <laughs> claims that she's the victim and she wants more. She wants child. Is Hannafin's agent not screaming at sixty million? Take it, take like. I don't know, and maybe this is just a personal decision that he maybe doesn't want to be there, but when I heard, just even it was the rumblings, or Pierre, you guys you know, reporting that he was offered seven-plus on an eight-year deal, like, you sign that every day of yeah. the week, do you not? I, I just, yeah. Well, what did the Stars offer Klingberg when they actually did talk long-term? If you think about where he's at now and the money that at one point was on the table for him, Pierre, was there not a, a pretty sizable deal? That yeah, that was a massive, sure? massive seven-year deal, yeah. yeah. yeah that, I mean, I think the sense is that, that there'll be something similar on the market for Hannafin in July 1st if he doesn't stay, but it's always hard to predict that. Um, and again, I don't want to totally close the door on Calgary and Hannafin. Stranger things have happened. The Flames are winning games now suddenly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. Okay. We'll move on from trade talk. Let's finally give the Los Angeles Kings the credit that they deserve. Uh, don't hear enough about them. They're playing spectacular hockey right now. Struds. Todd McClellan has the group going at a great clip. They've been patient with Quentin Byfield and it is paying off couple of real high skill plays from him last night the la king struds are no like they're nothing to mess around with they are serious business and they're doing it all in the silver buckets like i love it i love those silver buckets i think it's great i don't know if i'd want to wear one myself but on that team i'd wear anything i don't really care yeah you know you look at the big move they made in the offseason and now they have three stud centers and they're all kind of well two are very more similar than than Pierre luc dubois but they're really hard to handle then you mix in the handling of Quinton Byfield. You know, this guy has been, I, I guess, slow to kind of get on the stage. And now he's riding shotgun beside uh, Kopitar. Uh, big body. He's comfortable. You know, when, when they traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I wondered, okay, well, he's a center. Why is he going to get to play center? Where is his time to play center? Well, he's playing fine on the wing and he's learning to play there. So just those four guys alone are, are big. They can score. Uh, you know, you match up against those three lines in the playoffs or those three centers in the playoffs, I do not see an NHL team with that kind of depth down the middle, guys. Are you concerned about yeah. the goaltending? Well, yeah, but every as we talked about earlier, I mean, every isn't every team <laughs> nearly, <laughs> you know, it's pretty pretty tough <laughs> to... True. Yeah. Uh, we should mention, too, and Drew Doughty, who was on our podcast earlier this season, continues to have a lights-out season. I mean, Drew Doughty yeah. is absolutely bringing it. Hey, Pierre, Pierre, I'll pause you right there. You remember the interview we did with him, Struds and Noodles. You probably didn't hear this, but Pierre asked Drew about his resurgent play, and he gave credit to uh, a Toronto Maple Leaf, a former teammate of his that he gave credit to for him finding his game again. This is classic Drew Doughty. Here he is. I remember I was uh, actually at the bar with Jake Muzzin before the season started, and I was like <laughs> just talking to Muzz and just – saying like you know like i feel good out there still i feel like i'm the same player i feel i do all the same things like what's the difference and he's like he used to take over more games back in the day and i was like you know what you're right like when Mus said that to me i was kind of like you know what i gotta start doing that again and there's been some instances this year where i've done that and you know i i loved every minute of it and so so 
Drew Doughty wanted to play good again, so he made the decision, I'm going to start taking over games again. That was his decision, Struds. He just he just decided, I'm going to start taking over games again because Jake Muzzin told me to. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that I love about Drew Doughty is his competitiveness, right? He's so competitive. And yeah, he's skilled. But, you know, when, you know, when you watch him go against other elite players, for instance, McDavid, I mean, he wants that matchup. He wants to go out there. And, yeah, he, he'll get beat sometimes, but everyone gets beat sometimes. But I, I love that about Drew Doughty. Pierre, you were saying before. Well, just saying, and, uh, you know, I don't think we've said enough either. Like, Rob Blake rebuilt this team. And when mm-hmm. they started this rebuild, it felt like it was going to be a seven- to eight-year thing like we've seen in other places and they actually did this quick um and i he's a guy that doesn't want any attention i mean he does so few media things now rob blake he's so under the radar but he's done an unbelievable job and you know they still have victor arvidson at some point that's going to come off the shelf later in the season that's going to be like a trade trade deadline addition for them the aggressiveness and going after dubois that was a complicated trade they've done an unbelievable job there honestly if you look at it yeah. is t- Todd McClellan, too, the coach, like he doesn't get enough credit for them. You look at systematically, they're really strong as well, too. Like they yeah. mm-hmm. they play really tight, like offensively. They they do a lot of things. Like I remember Todd, he always wanted three cl- across the blue line in the offensive zone to draw coverage up. Like L.A. has all of these little set plays. Now they develop. And, and the crazy thing is Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't been killing it. You know, they're, 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 they're still another level for a couple of those guys in that room. So uh, I, I think that team is a force to be reckoned with. I still think they're going to get a goalie at the deadline. I think, you know, like Cam Talbot's had a resurgence at 36. Phoenix Copley's been a minor leaguer his whole career. And he's, uh, you know, he was, what, 24-6 and six last year. He was unbelievable. But, you know, Talbot's 36, and on his last year, so is Copley uh, on an expiring contract. They might end up dealing for somebody so that they can have some depth moving forward even into next year. Uh, we had a little well, bit of a glitch the there with Pierre Lebrun. He, uh, he froze entirely midstream there. So we'll see if we can get Pierre back. And if we can't, uh, plenty of star power to close out the podcast with. You guys see the Austin Watson thing late in the game last night? What do you think of that, man? If you're a D man, if that was you, I oh, mean, yeah. what would you have done? So if you if you if you didn't see it, they were they're losing five nothing or five one, I should say, and, and and Watson gets it right at the end, and he hammers the puck into Jeremy Lozon right into his mid chest. Now I would yeah. have been really upset. I think that would have been my reaction. Now I've only seen this two other times that I remember. I remember in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Ottawa Alvin. Centers against Anaheim Ducks, uh, Daniel Averson. I think it was at the end of the second period. Aims and shoots at Scott Niedermeyer and hits him right in right in midsection. And after the game, yeah. he, Scott Niedermeyer was asked about it. He goes, "We're here to win games. That has nothing to do with to win games." And that was it. That's all he. That's all he would talk about. <laughs> Another time, uh, my old buddy Todd Bertuzzi shot the puck at the Red Wings bench and almost hit Scotty Bowman. And um, mm-hmm. I remember after our coach made Todd Bertuzzi go over and apologize to Scotty. And uh, that was that was quite humbling for my old buddy Todd Bertuzzi. So two different situations, but you know, there's there's a point where I understand frustration. I get it, but it, it just like shooting a puck at someone, I think is is really frustrating. Now, if you're shooting it out on a penalty kill, I think you can shoot it anybody you want because you're trying to get it out. I have no problem. But this is no doubt intentional noodles. There's not a chance you can tell me that it was not intentional. Yeah, I hated it, and I saw it on Twitter. Obviously, I didn't see it live. But I, 
stuff like that, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's unhockey like, because Watson, if you want to, you want to get it, somebody drop your gloves and, and fight them. Right. Like you, you know, there's other opportunities to get at guys. It, yeah. That that's just un, that's a non hockey play, and and you're talking to a guy who got suspended for a non hockey play. You know, I ended my <laughs> yeah. career on a on a stupid slash trying to draw. Uh, you know, draw. I was trying to get a line brawl going, and I thought Franzen would you know knock my head off. Instead, he dropped like I shot him. But you know, it was a it was a dumb non hockey play. So I, I'm speaking from experience. Like that type of stuff, I don't know what'll happen. Will he get fined? Will he get suspended? Will anything come of it? But it's just those are things where you know Watson's a guy. He's an emotional guy. He can run hot. He's obviously the team's losing, so you you try and do something. That's not a difference maker play. You could, there's other ways you can go about trying to exact revenge or or maybe press buttons on the other team. But that one, I just thought it was a stupid play. Uh, one sec, Pierre's trying to rejoin the chat here, so uh, I'm just going to see if I can re-add him. Yeah. Yo. Hey, there he is. You're back, buddy. You froze right in the middle of the best point you made of the entire day. <laughs> well, what I was going to get to is that um, can you imagine if the LA Kings do win the West, which is very, very plausible at this point. We'll see between Vegas and them and Colorado and so on. And your prize for winning the West is the eight-seeded Edmonton Oilers for a third year in a row. Oilers Kings <laughs> third in the first consecutive round. year. Yeah. How much uh, do you think the Oilers are in Rob Blake's, uh, Todd McClellan's head? Right, they're trying to build a team to take on the generational talent in his Stanley Cup window. With oh, by the way, the second best player, like Struddy, they got to be thinking about those guys and sweating them every offseason, thinking how do you get past this group? That's the bane of their existence. Like, well, yeah. And that's always within a division, whether it's football yeah. or basketball or hockey. You're always like, how do I get out of my division? Because it's not easy. Like, and then, you know, let's not forget about the defending Stanley Cup champions are also in there. Mm-hmm. So probably, you know, the Kings, if, if that's what happened, they got to beat the Oilers and Vegas to get out. Um, and so that's a pretty tough gauntlet to get out of. Um, but yeah. I, I, you know, I, I like Vegas. If I look at Vegas and the goal, we talk about the goaltending. Who had Aiden Hill? Uh, you know, in October last year, being the guy who is not just this, not savior is maybe a bit dramatic, but who goes in out of nowhere and, and, and does what he does there. So, yeah. you know, I guess the challenge for these teams is to either find one within your own organization that's Aiden Hill or trade for someone on the cheap. They can come in and do that. So I'm looking at, you know, for sure, I think the Kings and probably Oilers would probably like an upgrade pair, I'm guessing. But, you know, who is Aiden Hill out there? Because I remember when they traded for him, like, I'm not sure this is a difference maker, man. Did I nail that one? That's when NHL well, teams. They did. Fall... Yeah, I was gonna say that's when NHL teams phone. Uh... They they phone Noodles and ask him for his advice. Yeah, Noodles, <laughs> go. <laughs> no, I just you know you're right. Aiden Hill was fifth in their depth yeah. chart if everyone was healthy and and Jonathan Quick was maybe you know a year and a half younger type of thing, but it. they got it done because of systematic play. And I come back to what you said, Struddy, is you'll take Niedermeyer and Pronger. Well, they had Petrangelo and and Shea Theodore and and a big, mean defense and systematically strong. But I I still believe, I look at this LA King team, that if if you're looking at deficiencies, just even on paper, like you need to add somebody. And I I come back to Edmonton. Edmonton needs another goalie. Yeah, because Stuart Skinner, like you know, Calvin Pickard, like wearing a baseball cap, it's a lot different than playing. And, I, and believe me, I thought he played okay in in in, uh, 
in, in Florida. Like he wasn't the reason they lost, but you know, Stuart Skinner can't play every game. And I don't know where Jack Campbell's game is. I'm concerned that, you know, he gets down a rabbit hole on himself. He's a guy who plays on confidence. Uh, had a good visit with Billy Branford last night who, um, you know, coached him and, and worked with him in LA. And, you know, sometimes you look at, at players and you're like, okay, that's the best of Jack Campbell. And then you're looking at him when he's off his game and you're like, man, it's, it, you know, it seems like it's a, a million miles away to get to the top of the game. So, you know, you're right. Like if, if LA wins the, the West and, and their consolation prize is Edmonton, if Edmonton, I still think Ken Holland has some work to do again, you know, easier said than done. All these managers, uh, you know, cap, cap gymnastics trying to work it out, but they, they still need somebody to play with Stuart Skinner because what's going to happen is he gets on a roll, which he's been on, but there will be a, a, a dip in his play and he needs somebody to, to lift him up in that. And I just don't know if Pickard is the guy. All right. Great stuff. That was the breakdown brought to you by our title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear. We're not wrapping the pod yet. Two quick points of business before we let everybody go. Uh, I came up with a scenario. I'm a segment on the fly, we'll call it. I'm going to name it, Would You? And this is just a pie-in-the-sky idea, and it's based on what we just finished talking about, Struddy, the Edmonton Oilers. So would you? And we can go Strud's, Pierre, and Noodles. Ken Holland, you have the opportunity to take back that Jack Campbell contract. Poof, it never happened. But you got to take back the Zach Hyman contract too. Would you, Struds? He's been so good. No, 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 I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. I think Zach Hyman is uh, the energizer, an energizer bunny uh, for this group. And I I see him a lot in the same mold as Chris Kunitz alongside Sidney Crosby as McDavid is for him. So no. Pierre? So the real question you should have asked, the better exercise, because I've done this. Oh, you want to host this thing? Yeah. (laughs) The better question is this, because people always get upset at, oh, you shouldn't have signed him. And I always say, okay, but who would you have signed instead in that moment that summer? You have to go back and remember who was available. So okay. either you you overpay for Darcy Kemper. It's going to cost you more money to get him not to go to Washington. Let's be fair, right? So whatever he's getting paid in Washington, you probably have to offer him more term and more money. And I'm trying to think what the other option was. It wasn't a great summer for the goalie carousel. I'm trying to think it what It was else. Billy, Billy Husso. I'm Billy throwing Husso. the flag. Right. I'm blowing the whistle, Pierre. Right, You're the guy. I, I, I say, let's play a game. And Pierre says, let's play this game instead. You get the <laughs> oh. whistle on that one. Multiple whistles <laughs> yeah. on that one. Noodles, you got to take the Hyman deal back, would you? No, because I agree <laughs> with Struddy. I think Hyman's too valuable to that team. I think when yeah. he came in, uh, he's instilled kind of like a like a work ethic, like that's how you play every night type of thing. So, you know, his his energy, the way he plays, the way he practices, the way he is as a, a citizen and a, and a person and everything, he's the complete package. Yeah. You've brought that into the dressing room. And I, I still believe, and again, uh, I've been completely wrong on this. I thought Jack Campbell was going to be the comeback player of the year. And obviously it hasn't worked out that way. You know, the one thing that Ken Holland, whether you like it or not, he's a patient man. And, you know, he, he, I don't think he's made any knee jerk reaction uh, decisions. I would argue that maybe even firing the coach might not have come from his desk, but he has to execute things. But I, I look at it and, and I still think they're trying to have Jack Campbell as a reclamation project 
but no, I would I would keep Zach Hyman, and I would I would I would agree with Pierre. He was the the best choice out there at that yeah. time. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. Yeah, hundred percent. And Pierre, uh, you're making a fair point. It's kind of revisionist history. Right. We all saw that signing, and while some in Toronto and the, the new Jack Campbell's game well might have said, "Eh, not sure about the length and the term and all that kind of thing." Um, just interesting because they're in this jam where they got to get this number off the books and get a goalie in place, but it's going to be painful yeah. one way or another. It's going to be painful, no question. Last thought on that, Pierre? Uh, no, I was just I was just going to mention that. Uh, you know, are we not going to mention the most important game in all of sports on Sunday night? I mean, oh, are you are you taking this to the NFL? Like Eagles Cowboys oh, for the division on Sunday night. Let's go. Okay, time for red card, yellow card, no card to wrap up the podcast as Pierre tries to just take over the whole thing. And this will be a quick one, guys. Uh, I'm sure it will be decisive. I was chatting with a very good friend of mine last night on the telephone. And at the end of that phone call, we were wishing each other a good night. And I said to him, thanks for everything. Cheers. Have a good night. And this very good friend of mine said... I reject your cheers. Do not cheers me. I reject your cheers. Noodles, Struddy is on a rampage for people that use the word cheers I use it all to the say time. goodbye. I use it all the time. Red card, yellow card, no card. Noodles, you can start. Okay, Ridiculous. So Ridiculous. Are you English or Australian? Because Thank you. Like that's the, like no that's, way. You're not going work, this way. I just... I. I mean, cheers is a saying, but it's a saying like when I lived in England and played for the Guilford uh, Flames, like you, you'd say that cheers was thank you. Cheers was good night. Cheers was everything. But we're not in England and we're not. And I, I work with a guy who's Australian and he says cheers all the time in the text, you know, like, hey, have a good night. Cheers. I feel like I've heard That's you say it, Noodles. I feel like you say it and maybe don't even know you do. I might, no. but I don't think I do. Okay. I mean, Strutty, we talk on the so phone no all card. the time. I, I, I'm, I'm not giving a – like, I just – I'm not giving a card to that because I feel like no. that's the wrong verbiage. Just say goodbye. Move on with life. Pierre? Yeah, no card. I literally use what? cheers in every text Every text I oh. send. No, no, no. The, we're giving the card to Struds for rejecting so, the cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Red giving card. Him a card. Yeah, red card for oh, sure. I, I picked up okay. cheers from – from my old sports editor Neil Davidson, who was my—he's from Neil. originally from England. He was my sports editor of the Canadian Press when I was a young pup in the late '90s, and I remember thinking that sounds so good when it comes out of him, Neil. If you're watching, and uh, I've used it ever since. It's—it's it's a joyful way to end a conversation and to tell the other person, "I hope you have a you have a great day." Struds, I thought what we other, were friends. What other habits did you pick up, Pierre, from Neil? Do you have afternoon tea? You didn't pick that one up, did you, right? <laughs> no, you but uh, post, you're not picking post, that up either, are you, Pierre? I did pick up post-work post, -wear, post -work beers, although I may have already had that one. I don't know. i got to go back and look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Struds, you don't get a vote. That means it's two to one, and you lose, big guy. Red card from Rashog. That is two to one. Struddy, you're offside, pal. You owe me an apology. You know what's sad, Shogger, is we all lose in this situation. We're all losing because of this. Yes. Cheers. Yes. Well, this was, and this was bad podcasting. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank yeah. you so much. Noodles, I know it was a bit of planes, trains, and automobiles for you, but thanks for jumping in with us today, my friend. 
Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll chat soon. All right, P, great job, buddy. Thank you kindly, other than you trying to take over the podcast and produce yeah. the last third of it. You know, yeah. I, uh, I'm i multi-talented some days, not many yeah. days. So you, who are you guys picking, Eagles or Cowboys? Hopefully the Eagles are rested. I mean, they played three games in 13 days. That's just unfair, and that's why they got spanked. So uh, I'll check out by saying happy anniversary and happy Easter to everybody. It's a wrong time Struts. to say it, but I'll use it. Cheers, like cheers. is not the same as walking up to someone and saying happy anniversary. Cheers is uh, perfectly acceptable. And you know what? I did this the other day on our local podcast. I'm doing it again today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you to our title sponsors, Kuma Outdoor Gear. Thank you for your downloads and subscriptions. And you know what, everybody? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>